Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. all been waiting for it's thursday it's story shape day today we've got another fabulous interview for you we're very excited to chat all things story with the excellent hs norup author of the missing barbagazi the hungry ghost and into the fairy hill and we cannot wait hella is a properly international author brought up in denmark now living in switzerland and she's called six other countries home This is reflected in her gorgeous books, which are set in places as far away from each other as the wild Austrian Alps and the tropical cultural melting pot of Singapore. But what unites her work is the emotional power of story, the magic of tradition and the reality of folklore, all of which come together in tales of family renewal and reconciliation. In other words, her books are must reads and I can't wait to hear the stories that shape them. Strap in, we're off on a story adventure. So welcome, Hella, and hello, Sinead. I love that introduction. <laughs> Hi, yeah, hello. I love that introduction, too. I mean, I'm very honoured, really. Yeah. We're Thank the ones so who are honoured. I love that you said the reality of folklore. That is yeah, yeah, I thought about that it. a bit. So I was like yeah. thinking about how folklore appears in your work, Hella, and I was like, it's real. Folklore is real in your stories. Yeah, definitely. I, I really, I, I might steal that, actually. I really <laughs> like that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I, uh, I love the folklore you use because it's not, it's not maybe traditional. It's not um familiar, I suppose, to, to people like who aren't maybe from the same background as you are. And I love that. I love books that bring me into a folklore that's not the same as the one I was raised with or the one that I'm familiar with. Um, And you do that so well. You just you just really bring the reader with you on this on these journeys that you create. So I'm delighted to speak to you today. <clears throat> I'm lucky enough to have read a proof of your uh, your forthcoming book, Into the Fairy Hill, and uh, I'm a big fan of all your work. So I can't wait to talk to you today. <laughs> Thank you. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> wow. No, I, I absolutely love folklore from everywhere. It's kind of one of these things that I think is so defining for a culture. So wherever I'm living, I'm, I'm always trying to find out about the the mythology and, and and the stories and things that 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 kind of have shaped this culture as well yeah is that, because you've lived in so many places is that one of the ways in which you settle into a place or get to know a place is it through story is it through folklore I think so yes I, I definitely reading the books that kind of are written in uh, in a place and and kind of getting the background of some of, of, of the stories from the culture, like for the hungry ghost, when I arrived in Singapore, I really knew very little about Singapore. I didn't know anything about kind of Taoism or, well, I knew a little bit about Buddhism, but kind of the Taoist festivals and, and, and kind of the religious festivals that are so linked to the mythology and the folklore and, and kind of, asking people about it and reading about it I think that's something that that's so interesting and 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 also interested in getting to know how a country is uh is now because so much is uh based on kind of beliefs and and stories uh um and 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 the culture itself yeah yeah I love your book the, the Hunger, I love all your books but the Hunger Ghost is is the one probably 
possibly if I had to pick a favorite it might be that one it's just so evocative um you really do bring Singapore to life so amazingly well in that story um I love the I love the spooky elements of it as well and also the the deeply emotional and moving oh. sort of family elements at the end that, are just I incredible cried. oh my gosh I did I shed, <laughs> I shed a few tears myself at the end I'm sorry <laughs> no there were beautiful beautiful tears I mean it just shows the power of your storytelling and how invested you get in the characters that you've created that you care so deeply about them and and uh, you know their their fates and their history and their secrets mean so much to you, you know, because you've you've created them so well. Um, so you really do take. I, I love that. I love and I love that there's different mythologies or different folklores in in each of your books. You know, you and you, you handle them all equally well. Um, so you're you're excellent. So. <laughs> you are you are excellent thank you you are excellent yes <laughs> i did cry while i was writing that kind of ending of that book not surprised well. not surprised yeah it's very it's very deeply moving for sure yeah. yeah i was like am i gonna have to put this book in the freezer <laughs> <laughs> no no i can, I can, why, I can why take the it. freezer <laughs> that's it that's, it. No, that's yeah. what, like a, a friend's reference um there was an episode of friends where joey um was reading little women and he he got, got so, so emotionally invested in it, yeah. that he had to put <laughs> yeah. the book into the freezer to oh so I don't remember that settle, I settle don't his emotions that. yeah so we always said we always say put the book in the freezer on, on the podcast anyway we've said it a few times about books that are scary or that might be overwhelming you know we had to put that book in the freezer or nearly put that book in the freezer so it's a mark of respect I think yes it's for, okay. for, bo- for books that really Very get good. into your heart and soul <laughs> that's how I mean it anyway um, but I guess we should start with our with our question that we ask everybody so yeah. Helen Nora are you story shaped and what does that definitely. mean to you definitely I'm definitely story shaped I would say I'm definitely stayed by by the books that I read and I was a, I was a really big reader I always kind of always had books in my hands I I was in the school library is probably the room I remember best from my school and the kind of the local library I was there least once a week and kind of I think both places I borrowed all the books I could borrow and carried them home with me so yes and uh, yeah I I think books just meant a lot to me I, I was always reading that this was uh, kind of my place of of being and uh, yeah and 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 I and I can also see kind of the books that I really love. I mean, I've read everything, really. I was uh, I was willing to try every single kind of book, and and um, but I always loved fairy tales. I think I grew up with fairy tales. I remember my mom reading fairy tales to us, both from kind of Hans Christian Andersen, the Danish, but also the Grimm fairy tales, and and I always loved the fairy tales. And then I went on to kind of loving. I would say fantasy books that are still linked to the real world were always kind of my my jam and 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 those are also the books that I'm writing now so so yeah, you're speaking our language here <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> so I, I and I would say I prefer them also to kind of high fantasy where everything is fantasy I really love the books where starting with uh, the lion the witch in the wardrobe and I I I read the books much later than I watched the animated uh, kind of uh, film for The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It was always uh, on TV on uh, Boxing Day in Denmark. And I think I watched it every single year. And I just loved that that, uh, that film. And I went up on to to kind of loving the book and looking at wardrobes and into old wardrobes (laughs) whenever I saw some. I know there's there's nothing better, is there, than that just an ordinary object giving access to pure magic mm-hmm. yeah I have a story um, about a wardrobe that I want to tell maybe one day I'll get there there's a, yes. a story in my head that a wardrobe gives access to a whole different world and I'm going to write oh, one day even if it's it. just for me it <laughs> sounds good I, I I'll read it even if, it, if you right. just write it for you please send it to me as well <laughs> of course Hala, absolutely yeah, yeah. So and I what think, do- I mean those stories were always kind of so meaningful to me and it was also I remember walking home from school and I don't know I didn't have that far maybe 15-20 minutes or something like that to walk and I was always imagining that there would be something somewhere that was kind of magical or there would be 
like a flying carpet. I, I, I had this recurrent kind of fantasy of a flying carpet that would appear and it would take me off on an adventure or it would take me home if it was if I was really tired it would just <laughs> take me home so I didn't have to walk but uh, but but I, but I always had this kind of this flying carpet and and was thinking about all these various lands it would take me to and and so on so yeah yes but books like books are like that wardrobe in Narnia and books are like flying carpets like stories give you access to other worlds and stories take you off away from your own life into alternate lands and alternate realities yeah yeah no they do and I I mean that I know there was a Danish story uh about this boy who goes off on a magical carpet or a magic carpet flying carpet and and definitely that one was uh was an inspiration um uh and 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 then also some of the other books, uh, like the Never Ending Story, um, oh, where you kind of yeah. go into a book, and and that was the, one of my absolute favorite books uh, that I read over and over, and kind of this the connection, the story inside the story, and this connection between kind of humans imagination and how the story world whether the story world will survive if 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 our imagination is not strong enough and if we don't believe in the fantasy of the story and uh, and 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 some of these stories that I think that is one of these stories that you you read one story when you're a child and then as you grow up and read it again you see all these different layers and it's definitely a story that has so many layers that you can continue to read it and 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 I really love those kinds of stories. Yeah, me too. I came to that one through the movie first. Um, mm, I, I, I read the book when I was older. Um, I actually don't know what my I could even have been an adult when I read the book, but um, yeah, that's a story that's definitely shaped my mind. But it's far more the movie version than the book for me um so but uh, but I do love the book as well even though it goes on further doesn't it the movie tells about half the story that's yeah. in the book and then the book continues on in a I, I don't, don't remember, remember the, I, I as remember well. seeing the movie and I remember the scene with the horse and so on from the movie but oh I yeah that, that, that I, scene needs to go in the freezer yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely for sure <laughs> but uh yeah we watched that film like I don't know obsessively as kids my brother and me uh, to the point where we could like recite it to each other um, and uh, you know I've watched it recently with, with my own kid and it's, uh, it's still as magical as it ever was it still makes me the music even the, the soundtrack of it and at, at certain points still you know they put me right back to my own childhood and, and it's quite emotional overwhelmingly emotional at times sometimes watching it but it's definitely a film and a story that I, I absolutely love um, but I've never read any other books by Michael and uh, I, I have you have you read Momo? Yeah. I've read Momo and Momo is yeah. excellent. Momo, yes. Yeah. That's a wonderful book I as keep, well. I keep meaning to actually read more of, of his work. Yeah, no, and, and my kids have read them in school here in the uh, kind of German, German-speaking school. They will read his work. as They still read his work. Sure, he yeah. was German German author, wasn't he? German he was a German yeah. author, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I, 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 for, I don't have my own copy, but I have, my son has a German copy here that I just borrowed and then I opened it and I found that he had actually I think in sixth grade he had done um a school kind of presentation and I found his notes for the school presentation (laughs) so So that's really cute (laughs) it's lovely so it's it's still books both Momo and the never-ending story and there are some other books by him as well they're all really well known and there are I I think when my kids were growing up, there were also cartoons and 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 uh, on TV that are based on on uh, one of his other books. Um, oh, I forgot what his name is. That's kind of a little bit lighter in tone. Yeah, right. Am I am I right in remembering in the Never Ending Story the book that there's like some bits of it are in di- the font is a different color or a different yeah, style. It is. It is in this one as well. I think it's. Like, is that is that to signify when we're in the real world or when we're in yeah. the world of Fantasia so or the Fantastica? real world in this one is in red and then oh, and right. then yeah, the yeah. fantasy world is in blue and like some chapters are entirely in one color and then some of them are kind of switching back and forth so you see how the real world impacts the fantasy world and the fantasy world the impacts the 
wow. real world. I don't this think the edition I have has different colors. I think it might have different fonts for the different worlds, but still it's yeah, it's equally effective. Well. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's there's something there that reminds you, and I suppose it's a, like because it's a book about books. The mm. fact that those different different worlds are in different colors it just reminds you of like the materiality of books and the tangibility of the words and the power of the words to evoke those different realities yeah yeah I guess I, I yeah I think it's you're a, right about that it's a really clear way to visualize it isn't it when you're yeah. going from one world to another yeah and yeah. it's also I think in the beginning of the book when Bastian as his name is mm -hmm. or the, the main character's name is when he uh He's reading and he's very much in the real world. And, and that's kind of when he begins to see that something that he's doing is impacting the story or the story is impacting him. And mm -hmm. that's such a magical moment uh, in the book and uh, quite in the beginning of the book. So it's very meaningful for me as a <clears throat> as a bookish and a, as a story loving child, you know, to see to see, I suppose, because because uh, for me, again, it's, it was visual because it was the movie first you know, to see the impact that a story can have on a person's life. And doesn't he have the best name in fiction? I, I love ba Bastian Balthazar books. I think it's, it's such a fantastic name. Yeah. But also like the, the impact that story can have on you. But as you said, Hella, the impact that you can have on story, on story is actually, so yeah. important in that book. Yeah, uh, very important in that book, because if he doesn't act and, and kind of come with his whole imagination and feed kind of the story world with his imagination, that the story dies or the story world dies uh, in that. So it's very kind of in a very literal sense that 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 he influences uh, the, the story. And I think uh, that's such a powerful thing in, in, in also like when we write a book and we send it out into the world, then then it becomes the reader's story and and what they bring to from from their own experiences, their own imagination, what they bring when they are reading will mean will will make this story mean something different to to each particular reader because they are also influencing the story with their own background, I think. So absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I wish you could be inside the mind of somebody as they read a book or read one of your books, maybe oh, to see to yes. see how they visualize it, you know, yeah. to see how are they imagining your characters or how are they imagining the settings? Because, you know, maybe it's different for you guys. Maybe it's the same. But when I'm writing a book, I can really see it like it's it's a very visual thing for me. And I can really some of the scenes in particular would be more clearer than others. But it's like watching a movie <laughs> in your head yeah. and you have a really clear idea who your characters are and where they are in space and how they're walking through the streets or whatever. And I'd love to know how other people visualize that. And it's amazing. I, it never ceases to amaze me, the idea that everybody who reads a book has their own unique mental universe of that story. It just, I think that's incredible. <laughs> I love that. It yeah, gives me such no, joy. Me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah. 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 So, and then another book I will say, and that's probably the book that meant most to me as a child, is this The Brothers Lionheart. And I think I know I've talked to you. I actually read that book it. before. I read that book. I got it from the library to read it because you had recommended it. So <laughs> Brothers Lionheart, because it was one I'd never heard of before. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Is so it by Astrid Lindgren? Astrid Lindgren. It's Astrid Lindgren. And, and I mean, I think she was my favorite author when I was growing up and I read everything she wrote. But this was my absolute favorite book. Why? Um, Why was that your absolute favorite? I, I think it just found it. I got it for my ninth birthday. It actually has an inscription from my godmother who gave it to oh, me. So, so I nice. know when I got it. Yeah. And and it's it is about a fantasy world. Unfortunately, you have to die to get to the fantasy world. Yeah. Uh, which also meant that it was really, really um controversial when it came out in Sweden it came out in the early 70s and it was even discussed in the Swedish parliament whether oh, wow. they they needed to ban the book because children loved it but unfortunately they they they, they had this idea that maybe it would promote suicide because children loved this fantasy world so very much that uh, that they would want to go there um yeah I found I think... it a, a really unusual book I never I've never read anything like it before um, and I, I just I thought, God, this is so dark, you know, and in like, the, as you say, the fantasy world is amazing, you know, but, but also this, very dark, this, right? but also very dark, too. But, yeah. but this the sadness that they have to go through, like the sadness of the mother of the kids. I mean, it's 
it's a really strange book and I wonder would it be published today I I don't know I, I don't know <laughs> I can I... imagine the editorial chats that would be had with the author if they were trying to do I feel like structure. so many of those books that were published in the 70s just would not get published today which is like sad in a way I guess sad, yeah we'd yeah. be losing so many wonderful stories yeah the 70s yeah. were just this amazing time for really interesting experimental unusual children's books fantasy fiction yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah very much so yeah very much so so but I I think for me that it it was just this fantastic world and it's it's a book about uh, courage and finding the courage uh, uh, to 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 also fight against uh, dictators and mm-hmm. people who are against freedom so it's there's a lot of really heavy themes in the book but it's, yeah but it's also this adventure and there's this a few moments of, of really wonderful uh uh like dream uh, a wonderful dreamlike world um but I think I just wanted to escape to even though there was this scary dragon and scary uh people and 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 uh, really really uh, troublesome things happen they they don't even die once they die twice actually in the story so um <laughs> I must read it <laughs> just to make sure they're dead. <laughs> yeah, they just to make sure they're dead. Um, and yeah. Astrid Lindgren actually wrote a letter that's on on her website or or, or her, the author website that she wrote to readers about what happens after, which is all very happy happy ending. So so it is a happy ending, but right. it's a, a very kind of tricky story, I would say. And I I and I don't think it would be published as it is uh, today. Maybe the ending would be changed, or there'd be some a different, a different, a different uh, resolutions of the story, perhaps. But it's yeah, as as you said, Susan, it's kind of a shame because it would be, uh, it would be kind of a, a censorship maybe of 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 Astrid Lindgren's vision, and we wouldn't want that either. But it's definitely definitely an unusual. And I've I've read a few of Astrid Lindgren's books, but that one was it just stands out as like it like being well. I haven't read them all. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert in in the author, but to me, it's like a different person wrote it or something it's a, it's a, it feels like a different kind of book to her to the ones I've read per, from her before um did she she wrote Ronnie the Robber's Daughter is that another one of hers she did yeah, I, I love that one I think yeah. uh, Pippi of course Pippi and obviously Pippi and, and yeah. so on yeah. so yeah. a lot of her books are, are much lighter and much, yeah. much yeah. funnier uh yeah. but I think this book is also inspired by kind of the second world war and and uh yeah uh, her experiences uh, during the war, and she had a really tough life uh, in 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 certain oh. periods of her life, and so on. Um, actually, when my... in her life did she write this book? When when in her career was this one? It wasn't one of the first books. It was a, a little later. Later on, you're right. Yeah, it was later on because it was published in the early seventies, and and I think her first books are from the fifties, mm. uh, as far as I remember. I actually have a, a biography that's really, uh, really, really powerful um, about or several books about her. Yeah. How do you think that book influenced you? I I, I think it, it it was again this thing about the that there is a different world. There's a fantasy world. For me, this was I I, I it's not a kind of a heaven. It's kind of an mm. in between. Mm or her idea of heaven but 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 it's like in her world there are these levels that you go through afterwards so they're different kind of levels and I think when I was that age it was just a fantasy I don't think I saw it as that um but I think later on uh I, I lost my mother when I was a teenager and I think this book kind of with this afterlife was really something that that I could hang on to and kind of have this feeling there's something else I mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not particularly religious or uh, uh, but I had this idea about other worlds and other places and, and kind of one of them comes back as a white dove which is kind of in lots of, of, of religions uh, but but it was just something to hold on to later mm-hmm. also I think so I think it influenced me at different levels. It influenced yeah. me, mm. opening me to this kind of fantasy, but also uh, later kind of comforting me. And and the first book I wrote, which is not published, and uh, 
was a kind of an afterlife fantasy. So I'm sure it also influenced me in thinking about this afterlife world and 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 so on. So and I guess yeah. and the hungry ghost is about like an afterlife, the returning of. It is as well, but very much kind of anchored in the mythology of of the uh, of of this uh, of of the Singapore, the, yeah. the Taoism in Singapore, and so on. Yeah, and I think I mean I think there's kind of grief and loss and 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 kind of overcoming something like that in in all of my books, and there probably mm. will be uh, in all of the books I write. I I, I don't know who knows, but uh, so I think it has a it's influenced me for for a long time. It will probably continue to influence me. Yeah, I love that thinking about the the first books that we write. You know, the ones that are maybe just for us, or the ones where we're kind of cutting our teeth as authors or learning learning our trade. I mean, I think we all have we all have those. Yeah, I have I have mine um, as well. Do you ever think you'll do anything with that first book? How will you ever revisit it, or is it just purely something that you're going to keep as a a private document. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I mean, I queried it and it is the book that got me my publisher because wow, uh, Sarah Odette and I, uh, she read it um, uh, and she loved the beginning of it and there were elements and she loved the writing, but but it's kind of, I think it's very much a book where everyone is way too nice. There was not enough conflict. Conflict, <laughs> like oh, right, okay. <laughs> Yeah. my dream afterlife uh, world kind of thing there was conflict but not not very much no. um, so I don't think it, it will never be published it definitely will not be published but it right. helped me kind of get my foot in the to door to get your foot and, in the door yeah awesome uh, it sounds a lot more accomplished I've, than mine <laughs> there are things that I can kind of take from it as well and I've kind of magpied stuff from it for other books already so so it will never be published no that sounds like a really good first book though i mean mine was nonsense uh you know it was fun but it was nonsense <laughs> so and i'm never i haven't had anything from it i've never i haven't cannibalized it for any any uh story uh in my published books so uh, it sounds like you did you start you started off well you had a strong beginning <laughs> to your career by the sense of it um but do you have any other books you could think of um, that have shaped the work that you've created or the life that you've lived so far? Any other standout books from your younger years? I I, I think, I mean, I also read a lot. I, the Famous Five are kind of the first books I remember reading. Uh, and I think I was reading them when I was like six or seven or something. I got uh, And I had so many of them and I borrowed all the rest from the library and um, and but these so, have been in Danish, or did you read them in, in Danish? No, in no, Danish. No, that's amazing. Danish. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 of course, I read so the books that were translated. Some books weren't translated, like mm. Susan Cooper's books. I did, I didn't come to them until I was an adult because I, I don't know. Maybe they were translated. I, I never saw them. They were not kind of books yeah. that 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 you saw. But like in Blyton was definitely books that were there all of them and and I think I read all of them and I loved mysteries as well and I think I also have kind of elements of mysteries in my in my books and um, work yeah yeah so I'd love to know these. how they translate lashings of ginger beer into Danish <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure back then they found something very Danish to translate yeah, it into like a like yeah. a, a cultural thing that would make sense to, to even to like to an Irish person, even lashings of ginger beer. Yeah, we like, didn't have ginger this? beer in Ireland. Didn't have no. ginger beer in Ireland. No. No. So I was, I was in our imaginations. <laughs> I remember the first time I encountered ginger beer, probably more, uh, probably was an adult when I came across ginger beer for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, it's ginger beer. That's what she was still, about. I still yeah. find ginger beer a very exciting drink. <laughs> it's a treat for me, for sure. I've only had yeah. it once or twice in my life. It's definitely a... Uh, thing I associate with uh, the magic <laughs> of the books that I read but yeah I loved the inviting myself as well as a kid me too yeah. every photo of me as probably a six seven year old I'm holding one of the famous five books yeah <laughs> no I really I read all of them and then I, I I think I went directly from them to Agatha Christie because there wasn't kind of anything in between so I read a lot of those as well uh like the earth it. earth sea Let's see wow uh, and they were in the day in in my library. I know exactly the shelf where they were in the library, and they were not <laughs> in the children's section. They were in this fantasy and and science fiction section, which was yeah. very very small. 
um, but it was in the adult section. And I remember going to this at this place and there was the Earthy and there was June as well. I read June as well, yeah, quite yeah. young. Uh, no recollection of, of the book at all, but, uh, but, but, but I just remember going to the shelf and it was like the top shelf and I was almost not big enough to read it. And <laughs> but you're like, I have to get it. I have calling to, to me. That, that book is calling to me. <laughs> So would you consider would you consider Earthsea a children's book? I don't even know if I would. I think it's probably more just a straight fantasy. Would it be, or or would you consider? Would you think it should be in the children's section? No, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. But I think but, I was a teenager when I read it for the first time too. Yeah, yeah, I love it though. It's well, probably like I'm, I might have been older than you were when you first read it, um, but certainly it's, it's one I absolutely love. I, I think I was. I must. I must have been like twelve, thirteen, something like right, that. Yeah, I think. probably younger than yeah. me then. Yeah, yeah but. I found a beautiful yeah. first edition of, of it at a book sale years ago. It cost me a fortune, but I bought it and it's oh. on my shelf now and I just admire it. It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is a, he kind of collects antiquarian books. Uh, so I think I, he might be rubbing off on me after all these years of marital bliss. You know, his uh, his his tendency to collect books just for how, the, how he doesn't really read them. He just looks at them as objects and, and as, as art objects. And beautiful, I think that's beautiful a good hobby. It's a great hobby. Great hobby for sure. One of the reasons yeah. why I think I married him <laughs> for his book collection. But anyway, <laughs> but that's great. So we're reading love, through the classics here. It's brilliant. I love how in all of our interviews, people have such strong memories of their libraries. Yeah. Like you yeah. remember like the shelf, you remember exactly. And I, I'm the same. I particularly Clonakilty Library. I remember exactly where a book was on the shelf. Yeah. When I borrowed it. And like, I find it, strange when I go back to Clonacilty Library now because it's slightly rearranged and the books that I borrowed aren't there anymore and it's like it's quite oh. disconcerting yeah I remember yeah. the smell of my library when I was a kid because it was like in a little cavernous underground room and it was damp and musty and dark but it was magic you know magical cavern and it's all different now because they put a new library into my hometown there's a beautiful modern kind of you know glass fronted beautiful building um which is great but it's all it's not the same as the the cavernous beautiful musty damp <laughs> smelling <laughs> pile that I had as a child but it was definitely a place where dreams were made for me yeah. <laughs> I love that I love that we all love our libraries so much so libraries much. rock yeah and do you remember when you moved from the children's section into the adult section is that a strong memory for you or indeed when you yeah. started reading books in in different languages to Danish mm. that would be another yeah. thing I want to ask you no yeah. I yeah I, I I don't remember kind of the active move because I think I was still going into the children's section sometimes even after I started reading like like Agatha Christie and and the USC books I just remember kind of because the children's section was in one end of the library and the adult books was kind of on the other end so I would go back and forth a little bit uh, uh, between them and reading in other languages of course we read quite a lot in school and other languages as well but but other kind of for hobbies I didn't really start reading in 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 English until I was maybe like 16 17 18 I think uh, until then I would just read books and translate it into Danish yeah yeah it just blows my mind the idea of being able to fluently read a book in another language to the one you were raised in that's to me it's such a as, as we, were, we were discussing before we recorded uh you know it's such a it's it's we're all European people, but I feel as though I'm less European than you <laughs> because I don't have enough languages. <laughs> you know, when we when we live on uh, on the islands and we have English as our one of our main languages, it's it's really difficult to uh, to get to a point of fluency with another language, and it's it's a real handicap for us. I think a real a real disadvantage to living where we live. Um, so I I'm I'm gonna I I really wanted to get fluent, not fluent, but to improve my French, and I kind of didn't I didn't get to that. Uh, aim yet but I'm going to make that another ambition for this year or maybe as soon as I can you know to kind of improve my, my French and maybe pick another language maybe I'll pick Danish or something uh, something yeah, Scandinavian. it's not very useful only no. five million people speak it it's not I mean and I think that's that's the whole point you kind of you're forced to to learn another language and you uh, I think we started back then maybe in second grade with English mm. and, and my mom was an English teacher so so she was happy to speak English as, uh, once in a while as well. And, and, and then all of our uh, television uh, in Denmark, they generally, uh, there's no dubbing. Uh, 
so it's all um, subtitled. Yeah, yeah. So we would hear English all the time mm -hmm. when you watch the movie or watch something. Uh, it's you would hear the original, not just English, but all the original language. language you would it was always right. hear, and then just have the Danish subtitles. So, so I think you get uh, another kind of ear for for language and, and maybe fluency as well uh, when you then start speaking it because you're so used to hearing it as well. Actually, I love doing that. When we're watching foreign language movies, I never put on dubbing. I always use subtitles and it does it actually does help you to pick up a few, well, except if it's Korean or something like that, which really I can't pick up words like in, in languages like that. But in words that are maybe European in origin, I can really pick up words here and there. And it's actually pretty helpful. So, yeah, I feel like yeah. I became fluent in Swedish when I watched a programme called Bonus Family, which I recommend to anybody. It's on Netflix and it's brilliant. And there's several Bonus seasons family. and Bonus Family. Yeah. I haven't watched it. Okay. I recommend it. I, I don't think I have actually. No. It's good. And I can <laughs> say I can say a lot of phrases in Swedish now. <laughs> I can say I love you in Swedish. Go on. Say I love <laughs> you in Swedish. It's, it's almost the same as in Danish. So go on, go on, go on. I want to hear you say it's it. Say, something er, er, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. Danish it's yeah, uh, elskadai. Yeah. Yeah. And Earthling and in Swedish, like it's, it's the same words in Swedish, but it's just slightly different pronunciation. Yeah, the languages are so close together, uh, Danish and Norwegian and, and Swedish. So, yeah, I love that. I really want to learn a Scandinavian language. I just am fascinated by that part of the world. So I'd love to, I'd love to scale up on my my knowledge of the language. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Duolingo, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Italian. I'm, I'm, are you? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. So, and it's, I, I've learned Italian earlier on, so some years back, but I'm kind of refreshing it with Duolingo. Yeah, that's and good. Where you, where you live, do, is Italian a kind of a, a language near where you're from? Or do you, you probably speak a lot of languages or in, in the part of Europe you're so, living in? So where I'm, the part I'm living is, is the German speaking part. German speaking, right. But, but French still has a big influence. I mean, there's a big French speaking uh part right. of switzerland as well Fantastic. right it's yeah. like somewhere between 50 and 60 percent german speaking and 30 to 40 percent french speaking and around 10 percent italian speaking and then Amazing. like one percent retoromanish which is a completely different language more like hungarian um that a very small uh part of switzerland speak but actually, and if you watch a film here in the in in the movie theater, you will go in and um, there will be one line of subtitle that's French and one line of subtitle that's German, and it's so confusing. Yeah. I always ask this question. I don't have an answer to this question, but the question is were there was there any book or stories that turned you into a writer made you want to become a writer I think I, I mean I really I think I really wanted to work with books or become a writer or something like that when I was like an older teenager let's say so but I'd never met an author I didn't mm. didn't think mm. it was a possibility so I studied economics and business management and I had like a long career in, in corporate career um, and I had years I think in my 20s where I didn't read children's books at all I, I all read crime and thrillers and, and other things and then I kind of came back to children's books what, what, uh, brought, what brought you back I think his dark materials um, oh wow yes yeah. so I think that brought me back and that was Hello, I think you of... might be my twin <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah it's always good to have a twin <laughs> I think really because I think it's uh it's it's just so imaginative and it's kind of like opening up into different worlds and all of this and I, I mean I I don't know any writers of children's books who are not kind of in love with his dark materials or influenced by it perhaps also um, and I think that kind of just kind of burst a little bit somewhere in my brain open to kind of open my imagination again and and think about writing and I tried for years and after that to like start 
start something and I would write a couple of chapters and get stuck and then I would forget about it for five, six months and then I would start something else, have an idea and start something else. And and so I had, I think I had maybe five years where I was kind of really wanting to to try to write something, but I didn't take myself seriously and I didn't really try to finish something. And then in 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 2010 I had this idea and this was this this kind of afterlife novel and and I started writing that and I said okay I I better kind of finish that and I finished this first draft and that was the first first draft that I ever finished and then I was like so what do I do now and and (laughs) and started like reading about writing I had no idea really no idea and I was just a reader until then and then um I just started researching. I find a, found a writers group in Zurich of kind of people who wrote in English and and tagged along to that and got some critique and gave a lot of critique and and so on. And so I, so I really think that the, and I really think it started with reading his dark materials and then I started reading other uh, children's books and uh, yeah came back into that that kind of world and I, 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 there was never any doubt in my mind that I was going to write children's books I, that's I, interesting me too yeah. yeah there was always children's books for me as well no matter what ideas I get they always gravitate <clears throat> towards uh, ch- children's books I can never imagine myself doing or writing anything else and I love the idea that we were all sort of in our own corners of the world we were all being influenced by a similar because I, I the historic material has definitely reawakened my desire to write as well you know so we were all kind of working away in our different corners of the of the world on our books and and here we are today talking to each other about it I mean that's that's really beautiful <laughs> that's amazing <clears throat> it's it amazing yeah I think for me it was also it also helped me back in a way because for those five years I would compare these two three chapters I wrote to to his dark materials know, well, and, and other finished books well, that's a bit of a that's a bit <laughs> of a disadvantage yeah because there's and, nothing to compare to them really and it was yeah. just like so <laughs> far off kind of my benchmark that that I was like no that's it's it's never going to happen this uh, this dream it's never going to come come anywhere near that and I don't know what it was but then I read read a book that I was not impressed with that had been published and I thought okay oh I can do it (laughs) maybe I can do it yeah exactly it was kind of like getting a benchmark that was that was lower than that it might be possible to that's really interesting that's amazing what a great way to sort of say well if they can do it I can do it too I love that yeah I've never had that experience. <laughs> well, I think everyone else is so much better than, than anything else I've ever, than anything I've I ever. I mean, read. you've had but, four uh, books published, right? And uh, almost, 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 almost out. Yeah, yeah. And four amazingly <laughs> brilliant books. So yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, but, that I, I think really, all... really love so much. And ah, uh, the time tider. I know. So, so much forward to seeing that out in the world. Well, yeah, you've got you've no, I can't I wait for people to read the time tider. I think yeah, we're going to be too. releasing this episode, but maybe it'll be out by the time the episode is released. I think it probably will be the yeah, time tider. Yeah. When we're <clears throat> when we're talking right now, the time tider has not been released into the world. But by the time you're listening to this, the world will have encountered in, the time tider. Time you wimey stuff. Exactly. To yeah. time slip fashion will have uh, will have traveled through time to deliver you the time tider. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I don't know, but maybe you guys don't struggle with this or maybe I don't know. I think it's fairly common, though. You know, no matter how nice people can be about the books you write, you never, I never feel as though they're good enough in my heart. You know, it's always, it's always, it's always a stressful time when a book is coming out. You know, the feeling of, oh God, you know, people are going to hate it and my whole life is going to fall apart. And, you know, it's all very dramatic and there's no need for any of it, really. But it's um, probably <laughs> because we're like comparing what we write to these books that had massive influences on us and yeah possibly like yeah. that's an un, it's an unfair comparison to to make because Sinead your books will we'll be interviewing people in this on this podcast in like 10 years time we'll be still doing it and they'll be like well the time tider changed my life yes. time tider made me a writer can you can you imagine oh my gosh well I mean we're talking about me here when we should be talking about 
Hella's books as well and your own book, Susan. Um, you know, so hopefully all of and that brings us neatly on to another question we'd like to ask our guests here. Um, you know, how would you hope or how do you hope your stories will shape your readers, Hella? Do you have any kind of do you have any hopes for the influence that you might have over people who read your books or what would you hope people would take from from a story that you've written? Uh, hope. 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 Excellent. Definitely yeah. hope. I think I think for me that's the most important thing to kind yes. of uh, uh, this thing about um I think there's a Neil Gaiman quote about um uh that, that that we read or children need to read books because then they know that dragons can be slain or and 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 and, and troubles overcome and I and I think that's the most important thing. I mean, these that 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 children can experience all kinds of things. I mean, go on an adventure. It it has to be an adventure. It's, I I really want my books to be something that you can escape into, and you and and then you're completely gone from the real world for a while. But afterwards, you. I would love for for readers to just have a feeling that. Yes, you may have struggles, and and they may have struggles in their own lives. But, but I mean, if if a dragon can be slain, then then you can kind of also overcome whatever uh, difficult things you're going through in your own life. And I think, I think that this kind of the possibility of there being a happy ending, that is just the most important thing to convey to to anybody. And, and yeah. I think that's the one thing that we can do through these uh, these uh, books for children. We can we can make sure that they know there's always hope because they if they read a hundred books with very very difficult struggles and and, and journeys uh, through the worst possible murky waters uh, uh, and and seen that the characters come out of it and uh, to to a happy ending. I think that's that's the most important thing. So hope. That's hope. A, I love that answer. Really, that is a beautiful yeah. answer to that question. Beautiful answer. Absolutely. Yeah. You can and I think your books I, do that. Absolutely. Do that. absolutely. They give the reader yeah. a hope. And I also think they give the reader a sense of agency that the reader has the ability to to generate that hope for themselves. Yeah. That, uh, that's very very kind of you to say <laughs> I, I hope so <laughs> that would be lovely if it does that um but I, yeah I think when we read and I think maybe that's also a difference in the books that are being written now and the books let's say from our childhood is that that the main character you're so much closer maybe I think to the main characters now there's kind of shorter narrative distance if you will mm. uh, and and you're taken so much more along the journey maybe um, that's really interesting I I don't know I I think yeah that not all books maybe but but many many books there's the this thing of the narrative distance and and, and kind of getting the reader very closely along for for the ride um, that, that might also influence in this direction. That's interesting because yeah. there's, there's definitely a different feel to books from, you know, the 70s and 80s and so, uh, you know, and, and books that are written now, but I never considered that the narrative distance thing would be an issue that, or would be, might be the reason. That's really, I'm going to think about that one because for sure, yeah, I think children's books nowadays that you are, you are right there with the, with the protagonist usually. Anyway, it depends on how the, author has chosen to write the book but I, I tend to do that with my own stories that the the, the narrate or the narrative narrative voice kind of is right up <laughs> with the with the protagonist mm -hmm. or with the characters and and it's it's like a camera on their shoulder or whatever <laughs> you know you're, you are yeah. they go you go um and yeah that's that's really really that's a very deep insight I love that <laughs> well I just invented that so no yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> I just thought of it now so but uh... making my brain spark off and it's incredible. Like, yeah. I love it. yeah yeah but I think I, I think I'm definitely trying to do that with my books, whether it's writing in I mean, I've written one book in first and person and now two in and third person and, and I think in but the ones in third person are very, very, very close uh, in a very from a very close perspective. Close perspective, so, yeah. 
So I don't think it makes that much of a difference uh, uh, when the perspective is that close. It's almost like a writing in first person. But but then you really have the reader along and 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 give the reader maybe the the agency, uh, mm -hmm. as you're saying, Susan, and, and, and kind of that they feel that they have agency as well. That's that's part of the power of kids' books too, isn't it? Giving the giving the reader a sense of agency and a sense of empowerment and you know that I can I can do hard things I can do yeah. scary things I and, and there's hope that things are going to get better that's the power that's the importance of children's books really and it's the, the privilege of being an author for kids is we have this ability to convey these things in our in our work I I, I really don't take that lightly I think it's really an amazing part of the job <laughs> the most yeah. amazing part of the job I think no yeah it, it is and I think and I think when we write fantasy, we can, I mean, we can tackle more, even more difficult subjects and, and do things that would be, let's say, unrealistic if they were in the real world. But if they're in a fantasy world, they, they, they can take on this sense of really being real and, 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 the, and the character and the reader can get these enormous experiences and, and, um, and still have, I mean, because it's the, the, some part of their brain will know that it's not, this is not the real world. So they know that they can escape out mm -hmm. of the book if it becomes too dark or... or, or they can put it in the freezer. Yeah, <laughs> they can put it in the freezer. Yeah. And go outside. <laughs> yeah. And think, yeah, we're back to yeah. that idea of the reality of folklore, that folklore permits you to engage with reality in what well, how am I going to say this like engages you to permit to, in, <laughs> allows you to engage with reality at, at like at a certain distance or with that like that safety that you're talking about but it's still real there's like real emotional power there there's like I'm not saying this very well but folklore folklore is real guys it is definitely fairies are real very I can good. only say that. Yes. Yeah. It's the heart definitely. and soul of the country, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as we are coming close to our sort of wrap up time, which I hate, I hate this part, but um we like to ask, um we we can either ask you uh what is next from you in terms of upcoming projects, if you want to talk about your future work, um, if you're able to, um, or what stories are shaping you right now? So you can you can answer both questions if you if you like. Um, but uh, so what 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 can we hope for from you in the future if you're able to tell us about it, Helen? Please. So into the fairy hill comes out in March. I don't know if Yay. this episode is out. This episode uh, will either. probably come out around then, around the same time. We hope. Yeah. 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 Okay. <clears throat> so, and it's brilliant. So get get your, get yourself to the bookshop and buy a copy because I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> And full of empowerment and hope and uh, and uh, and folklore and folklore, absolutely folklore from fairy. I would say fairy lore from several different countries. Uh, yes, amazing, including some Irish. A bit of a bit of a mixed pot well. of fairy lore, indeed. I love it. It's yes. very much a mixed pot of kind of everything, and I've always been fascinated uh, <laughs> by fairies. So I love reading stories with fairies, and I think I've magpie from many different stories uh and um and i'm currently writing a sequel to that Ooh, book um, yay. <laughs> so, oh well <laughs> let's see i've sent the, the kind of the first version that i let anyone see i've sent that to my editor and i'm waiting to hear what he thinks which is a scary part yeah, of the process yeah, as well yeah this this job is such um, a scary it's full of scariness isn't it you know waiting I, for waiting for opinions waiting for feedback waiting for edits waiting for <laughs> will it be published oh i don't know why any of us do and, it and, and, and waiting for a book come out and waiting for and, books to come out yeah that, hope, that's hope. Very, that's why we do it hope, we do it for yes, hope. yes hope and yeah. for the love of that's, and for the love of story for sure yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> yes definitely um so Let's see what happens with that one. Um, I've tried to do write the book in a little bit of a different way, so it's not kind of just following on from the first book. But, um, let's see. It'll be interesting to see. And what's shaping you right now, what I'm reading right now, is Unraveler. Oh, oh wow. Just, just brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, 
I, I have to say I really really love her books and mm. uh, her imagination is just on a different level um, yeah and uh, her descriptions are fantastic and yeah yeah no I don't think I don't think anyone uses language quite as well as Frances Harding she's an incredible a genius yeah <laughs> really really incredible really uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm a huge fan of her books. And, uh, She's a proper story weaver and unraveler. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And a wearer of fantastic hats. I love her hat style. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Second only to Terry Patish in my, in my uh, hat, hat wearing author's pantheon. Your hat hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hat hierarchy, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a hat wearer. I, I don't know. No, I, no don't. I don't have a head yeah. for hats myself, but I, I like a hat. People. Yeah. 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 I do. Mm. Well, we need to see some photos of you and hats. Yes. I don't know if I have any many photos of hats, but I do like a hat. I, my partner's sister gave me a lovely tie-dyed beret for Christmas, which I've been wearing oh. about town. Oh. <laughs> that sounds really very you, actually. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Very good. Because uh, if you could see Susan's beautiful jumper today, she's covered in colours. So she's uh, yeah. definitely a, yeah, a colourful wow. wow. lady. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Though. That's gorgeous. So a multicoloured beret would certainly suit you. Yeah. But uh, I think that's about that's about it for today's episode, I think. But uh, it has been a joy and it's been great because we haven't uh, recorded with a guest for a while. And Susan and me are getting back on the recording horse. So we're thrilled to have welcomed Hella here today to get us back on the back on the track back on track. Um and it's been a joy to talk to you about the books that you've that have shaped you. Um and also about your own books. And we can't wait to hear uh, what your editor thinks of your sequel to In Into the Fairy Hill. So Fingers crossed that we'll have good news on that score soon, because um, I, I really love that book and I'm delighted to see that there's going to be a, a continuation to the story that you started in that in that book. Um, but if you if you dear listener haven't read any of Hella's books yet, I couldn't recommend them more highly. They are full of heart, full of as she says, full of hope, um, full of humour as well. There's lots of good good fun to be had in her books, and especially in the Hungry Ghost, there's lots of thrills, thrills and spills and uh, an adventure. Um, they're they're just amazing and incredibly accomplished uh, pieces of work. So I really hope that you get yourself down to your bookshop or your library, um, and help yourself to some of her some of her back catalogue, and then you'd be ready when her new book gets published, her sequel to Into the Fairy Hill. Um, and I'm just delighted to have welcomed her here today. It's been great to have you here on Story Shaped. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time and with your with your answers to our fiendishly difficult questions. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've really become a, a, a listener to your podcast and have loved listening to it. And so I'm very, very honored and thrilled to have been interviewed here as well. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, it's been a real joy for us too to be on the podcast and meeting people that we admire and that, that whose books we love, um, but who we mightn't have spoken to. Uh, well, I suppose we're not really in person, but it's the next best thing to being in person. Um, so it's been a real privilege for Susan and I as well. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I feel like we get more out of this than anyone else. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. I'm here magpieing ideas from other yeah. authors. Going, oh, yeah, that's really good. Um, I love that turn of phrase. I'm going to use that. So, yeah, no, it's great for us. It's great for us. And hopefully we'll be continuing with the podcast for as long as we can. Um, and uh, as long as we as have long great as we both like shall you. live. I <laughs> hope you will. Yeah, it's I, like and a marriage. In 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear that episode in 10 years where people yeah. are saying, oh, the time tide, it changed me. It changed my life. <laughs> Pull me off books completely. No, I'm only joking. No. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it would, yeah, it would be, would be wonderful to still be here in 10 years. Um, and I, I'm sure we will be because there's so many fantastic books being published and so many amazing authors like yourself um, writing fantastic stories for, for, for children. It really is a, as people say, it's a golden age and it really is part of it. And it really is a privilege to be here. And uh, I love being a small part of, of the big book behemoth. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> but for now, we'd better say farewell and adieu and uh, whatever goodbye is in Danish and any of the other languages you speak anyone wants to use a different language by all means go ahead we can say slow and lat in Irish yeah. <laughs> brilliant whatever that was excellent <laughs> is that Danish Pavel? yeah it's the same as farewell right oh, Just, uh, kind of shortened yeah fantastic I love that when there's connections that you can hear and see between languages it's great yeah. so farewell and, and uh, goodbye and we'll see you next time for a more story-shaped goodness 
uh, with Susan and me and another fantastic guest. Um, but for, for now, thanks so much for listening. Um, and if you have the time to rate or review or share the podcast episode or, you know, shove it on your your friends, your enemies, give the link to your granny, whoever, whatever you want to do. Just uh, we love more ears on the podcast um, and it makes life much more happy for us when we think people are listening to uh, to the, the work we're putting out here. But thank you for being with us and we shall we'll talk to you next time. So until then, farewell. Bye bye. Bye. Farewell. <laughs> You've been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod and don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts. Thank you.